0: All right, what's up, dude?
1: How's it going? Good.
0: We skipped a week.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel a little bit, I'm I'm a little bit, how do you call it, disappointed in us. After raving in the last episode about how we managed to stick to a weekly cadence, immediately uh, we don't manage to record.
0: We jinxed it, you know. We jinxed jinxed it, it. yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't have said anything. It's all right
1: but yeah um, so far so good nothing lost first month of the year is over
0: yeah I know that's pretty crazy I hadn't thought about time until I talked to uh, somebody like um, in December that I was like time is going by so quick you know (laughs) and then and then uh, this guy's like yeah but it's like it's all um, it makes sense that you will perceive time going faster as you get older, you know, because like <clears throat> when you're, when you're two years old, right. Yeah. Um, then a year was like half of your life. Oh, that's true. You know? So like, as you are getting older, you're just perceiving time in a different way Like it goes by faster because you have more years on this earth. So one year to, to your 30 years is no longer as significant to one year For a five-year-old, you know?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really
0: interesting. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense, actually. And that's why, as we get older, time just starts flying and flying.
1: I'm also busier than I was compared to my five-year-old self.
0: That is definitely
1: true. That dude didn't get things done, let me tell you that much.
0: Mm -mm. Did not have eight hours of pure... um,
1: Work. No, it's just chilling, playing, yeah. living the doing life. Whatever you want it. Yeah. Yeah. How have your uh, gold been coming along? Hard. After like the it. first month.
0: <clears throat> no, not, not that bad. Not that bad. Uh, there are two of them, which I think I'm doing not the best, of course, but I'm being a lot, a lot, like very mindful of them. So, not, well, one of them, which is the, you know, listen carefully that I told yeah. you. Yeah. That I want to do. That's going That's going pretty well. I still obviously do it. And I'm not sure if I will ever not do it. But I'm very mindful of it now. Very, yeah. very mindful. Yeah. So I'm talking. And I might, might, you know, wander off for a couple of minutes. But um, I don't know what it was. But I guess it's just because I had it fresh in my mind. Or because I catch myself being distracted. That it reminds me of the goal. But something is always reminding me. And I'm like, alright, pay attention. and. Mm. And also when I uh, try to speak, I try to uh, think about what I'm about to say first before I actually say it. This applies only, of course, when I'm explaining things, like uh, when it's a natural conversation, you know. Definitely not
1: to recording a podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and the learning elixir is going extremely well. So oh, nice. Yeah. The journaling, though, which was something that I really uh, wanted to stick with. Is going bad.
1: Oh, that's still still doable, though.
0: Yeah, I still doable. I still I still want to do. It. It's not like I'm leaving it. You know, I feel yeah. like that's probably something bad for most people, and this happens to everybody. Why? Where if something's not going according to plan, they're like, "All right, screw it, man. I'm not doing it anymore." <laughs> you know, I I'm tried. I failed. It. It's yeah, not for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not doing it. I'm just gonna keep on doing as I remember it. And, Why uh, do
1: you think that it doesn't work?
0: I think it doesn't work because I had a different idea about it and because I think my timing is wrong. So by timing, I mean, at the end of the night, like at mm, the end yeah. of the day is when I'm doing it. And oftentimes that's just not good because I work all day. And so first of all, the goal on this was not to have a specific time to write, but mm. was to just whenever... I had a thought wherever I would just pop this book out and start writing the idea or the thought that I yeah. had. But, uh, you know, having a couple of suggestions from you, from people, like timing, you know, having a time schedule, I was like, okay, yeah, that's true. Because what if during the day, not that I don't have thoughts, you know, but maybe there's nothing that I find worthy to write down. Then yeah. at the end of the day, I just don't write anything and that just does not create a habit. So I was writing at the end of the day if I hadn't written anything, which I haven't often because all I do is, you know, I'm working all day. But at the end of the day, maybe you get sidetracked by something and then you work a little more overtime. So I forget. And then if I work a little more overtime, the thing that I was supposed to do personally, like just my personal life gets backed up and I need to get out of the computer quick and leave, for example, or go and do something quickly. So then that just gets messed up, you know. The days that I've been able to journal is when, yes, I finished at exactly five, you know, I'm done with work and I have some time to just pick it up and write. But oftentimes that's not the case. So I think that's why. So I know you do it in the morning. I should definitely try that because it's like before your day starts. um, There's like, you know, you don't don't, you're not you don't have anything previously unless you overslept, for example, or something like that
1: yeah i think that would be my biggest fear is that if you do it throughout the day or so doing it like randomly throughout the day i think is at least for me would be dangerous because you're always or i'm always doing something else so during work it's really hard to take 20 minutes to write down something because you're working and you want to get through your work yeah so it's not a very convenient time to take a break and uh, to just journal and then at the end of the day usually i like i'm just tired then and don't have the perseverance to actually do it i am mm-hmm. yeah especially now it's um typically more like um how do you call it like letting the day kind of run out a little bit so we'll typically maybe watch an episode on netflix um together here or i'll try to read a book or something that just is good to unwind and turn down and not so much like creative producing so i think that's why mornings work so well for me because i can block out the time to actually do this and i'm still fresh and um have energy to yeah actually follow through yeah exactly
0: that's why I'm gonna to try to do it in the morning rather than at night. Night obviously has not worked out for me.
1: Yeah, but it takes time to build a habit, so <clears throat> as yeah, long as you true. stick with it, I think that's the that's the main thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you have to stick with the habit at least for a period of time to make it a habit, you know. If you do yeah, it consistently true. as well, it's just not gonna work out. So I've been doing that. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah. How's uh, how's your goals doing?
1: Um good question it's a little bit of a mixed bag i would say so i've actually read two books in january so on on target there i made the mistake to buy like the thickest book i want to read this year i think for february which also is Mm -hmm. the shortest month so i could imagine that i will actually fall behind my my plan a little bit here but it's fun to to read um so it's not too bad and then, especially with the travel that I have to do for work, it's really hard to stick to a set routine, and I start to feel that um again where my weekends and my weekdays look completely different, so it's pretty hard to actually do like the same things on the same time each day mm-hmm. and that's yeah uh messing me up a little bit, and I still have to see how to deal with this properly but other than that it's quite nice to actually be able to work on rust again for example and um really try to yeah learn a little bit explore um it's not necessarily a ho- a goal of mine but i'm i've spent the last who how long especially the last 2 days now but m- like on and off the last few weeks maybe um really getting back into React for a change. Um, mm-hmm. And that has been surprisingly fun, I have to admit. Um, it's- Why? Uh, it's for work and um, it's uh, like we have a, yeah, we have a small React app that we wanna migrate to like a newer version, um, especially of like the internal APIs. Yeah. So, that's what I've been working on a little bit, and it's been really fun to just get back into like React and a little bit learn something new-ish. So I've done, of course, all the React courses and dabbled with it here and there, but I've never actually tried to build something. And now having this app and trying to migrate it and rewrite parts of the logic is actually surprisingly fun.
0: Is that actually how you learn? Um, like watching tutorials and course going through courses
1: um not really so for me like especially with react what i struggled with is that most courses that i found show a very kind of contrived example like you build an app that you would never build in this way in real life and anytime i try to replicate what i've learned in the course it doesn't work because the real world is way messier than the nice and shiny and isolated example that somebody picked for their um, yeah tutorial or their course.
0: I feel like it's the same with most things. though. Like I remember math in college and things like that. You know, like the examples <laughs> when you were teaching of the of the problems were just nice, you know, concise. And then on the exam, you'll just get these huge messes that you kind of needed to apply what you learned based on the you know problems that you solved. with the exercises in class but it's like a lot messier and a lot harder you know
1: there's like this i don't know if i can remember the whole joke but this joke uh, about exam questions especially around the math exam yeah and it starts with like this typical example that you have in like especially like in school uh in math problems where it's like timmy has five apples (laughs) timmy shares his apples with his friends and gives susan an apple and benny an apple how like what is the mass of the sun and what is yeah. it circumcised yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, what's it yeah. called yeah circumference yeah. Uh, the, it doesn't matter but like this this kind of exam question where it starts with something that you know and you feel kind of comfortable mm-hmm. and then just immediately goes into like a completely different territory and it's like whoa. yeah yeah exactly
0: i've seen that one i've seen that one Yeah. yeah i feel like that's the same with with everything but yeah yeah i don't learn with videos man I... I, don't, I don't know. I can't learn. With, I mean, yeah, I don't really learn with videos. I, um, I, I, I pick up certain things, of course, that drive me to other places. And it kind of makes me familiar with certain things. But um, like, for example, uh, I was the last part of the bit of the Elixir course that I was going through was channels, mm. which, is yeah. So you're messing with sockets. And he shows you how to connect, how to join, um, you know, socket and everything with, within uh, within your app, and then how to receive and handle and then, you know, like, do the whole back and forth, like, you know, ping pong of, of data, like whether you call it or not. And the way he sets it up, um, I was going through it, and I'm just going along with it. And then at the end of the... Uh, You know, at the end of the actual section where he's done with the showing you channels, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I would not be able to set this up right now by myself. Like, I need to look into it and actually do it myself. Yeah. Not actually just follow along. I'm just don't, I've never learned like that. It's, it's.
1: No, I think it's always either helpful or required to do it yourself and try it for yourself
0: but do something that not related to the video i think like try it yeah. out yourself with something else right like now yeah, now i will do my own app and then figure it out on my own not just but actually understand it and not go through back to the course again but actually research yeah uh, the documentation on this and try to make sense of it so i can truly understand it you know like
1: Yeah, I feel video is a really good introduction to a concept. Mm -hmm. And there are some videos that are also really good at like deep dives. But it's always something that you have to follow up on yourself afterwards. And yeah, in a way, maybe that's because... So I really like learning with books. And maybe that's because it's easier to kind of go back and then kind of read the content again in slices that are easier to kind of follow along. And it's easier to find exactly what you need to make progress on your own uh, learning path instead of yeah. having to kind of find the right timestamp somewhere in a video where they talk about exactly this exactly. concept.
0: Exactly. And it's like, you have the power of your, you know, by reading, you have so much more power to rewind, yeah. stop, you know, play, pause and whatever. Like you can just read a line 50 times if you don't understand it until you get it. Instead, you know, it's a little yeah. more
1: annoying. And no, it's really... Invidious. For me, it's the same. Like I do need to try it by myself and especially with React and the tutorials I've seen there that has always been the biggest challenge that, especially in this world, I feel like JavaScript, uh, front-end applications, these kind of things that the reality is always so much messier than whatever you can teach. Yep. That mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of bridge bridge that gap and go from a tutorial to your own thing especially in JavaScript where there are like zero conventions and just figuring out how to set up like the folder structure for your React project is just not found a nice way to do it.
0: I feel like on every framework, there should be a convention of folders.
1: Yeah. I think what create React app has tried is really good. Oh, I
0: haven't, I haven't messed with, I haven't really messed with React actually uh, on the just React side. Mm.
1: Only React in- native context.
0: Only React Native context, which I can imagine is not that different. Which I've I've actually, <laughs> I was actually looking today for a um, monolith Phoenix app with React, mm-hmm. and also uh, just because of that part of the course that I was talking about with channels, were are explaining with channels. He uh, to handle um, the sockets and the data to show the like the Hangman game what he which he's doing is he used view you know
1: mm. <clears throat> interesting
0: js yeah but i just don't i used to be huge on view like on on a personal projects i would be like i'm not doing react i'm going to do view but after doing react for so long i think that i would just choose react altogether from here on out
1: i'm also not sure like especially in the in the old job everybody was really all about view and yeah raving about it but to me it never really had the same attraction as react
0: why do you think though
1: for me part of the reason is that I feel react has the way way bigger ecosystem and mm-hmm. that there are how should I let me rephrase it maybe um, I've always been interested in problems that felt pretty complex in it's like in themselves and i always had a little bit of feeling that while view would make it easier to get started for example eventually i would actually like to have the control that i can get in react about what it is that i'm actually doing and that it's a little bit while the learning curve is steeper it teaches you a little bit more about the core concepts that lie essentially power all of these single page applications nowadays that since it's a little bit more um, yeah, low level in a way and you don't have the same neat abstractions around all the features that it's as a learning tool, something that's really, can be really powerful because it, you have to eventually touch these lower levels as well. And you cannot just cruise by just living with the abstractions without really understanding what's going on underneath the hood.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, I mean, having seen Vue, I feel like it is a lot of magic, you know? Yeah. And I've always hated magic. Never liked magic, to be honest.
1: It is, to me, really intriguing to work now on Rust and have kind of already the the vision for what I want to add on top of uh, Rust with React. I'm really excited about kind of this prospect of having... Essentially, like in quotation marks a back end service written in rust and then having a react layer um or the presentation layer in react, yeah, plus yeah, we'll have to see what else when we um what else I need with back-end services, so maybe there will be some elixir or rails or yeah no nah. it will probably require three different components, so rust mm-hmm. something else react yeah. That's surprisingly fun like we're um, I've always been intrigued in typescript
0: mm. so you're doing typescript with with react
1: yeah and nice. that combination to me is really nice like having rust as a strongly typed language, having typescript and react is surprisingly refreshing. it does feel a little bit like using C sharp but what does? typescript. Really, it is the it that. is the same language designer. To be honest, like it's coming from the same people. I
0: I freaking hate. I I don't know. I just it's uh, not that bad, like
1: bad to... but it does remind me a little bit of like the whole C sharp world in a way, where you have interfaces and your classes, and oh, these yeah. kind of things. But it's really nice to be expressive and actually have really nice compiler hints on where you're messing things up, like where you're not passing in a prop or. Where you're passing in a string, but what it actually wants is a number. These kinds of things, and mm-hmm. I think, it, for me at least, it helps me really think about the structure that my code should have, and forces me to be a little bit more just mindful of how I approach a problem. Yeah. So. Yeah, I
0: think it makes perfect sense if you're using a backend language that is also it also has static type. You know.
1: Yeah, I've been always really <clears throat> int- like curious about GraphQL in combination with kind of a backend and a frontend that both support types. Because then you can theoretically car- uh, lay- uh, carry that through all layers where you have your yeah. types on the backend and you have your types in the API layer and then you have your types in the frontend and you can make sure that those are all lined up. Yeah. And that seems pretty nice to me where it's pretty yeah. safe that you're not messing something up because yeah, something that looks like an integer is actually a float or something.
0: So how's it? How's the project coming along then?
1: So we spent the last two weeks hacking uh, away, and so I think last time we talked briefly about the struggle that I was having with the background threads, and trying to implement a pattern that I knew from Java, for example, in Rust. Yeah. And I actually spent last week in particular to rewrite all of that to use async functions, mm-hmm. and then in So Rust has um, async await now as part of the language, and then you have different uh, libraries on top that make it easier to work with futures and these kinds of things. And I think the most popular one is um, Tokyo, which has a really nice runtime for these things. And it's really easy to, for example, spawn async functions in, um, you can configure it differently, but for example, like in their own thread, and then they run in a separate thread until they resolve. And that's what I've used now to set up these background threads is that I have an async function that I can call that will do stuff indefinitely uh, more or less until it gets a shutdown signal and then it will resolve and the thread will die. And that has been so much cleaner to implement than what I've tried by myself. I'm a little bit concerned that my performance is an issue though. And that there's some delay inherent in the system that will make it hard to kind of achieve the yeah, real-time constraints that I want to meet. But I've not been able to set up and like proper test for this.
0: For the performance? Yeah. With performance, performance of what?
1: So essentially I get, uh, from the simulation, I get 60 updates per second with new okay. data. And okay. that gives me 16 milliseconds to process all the information
0: that's ridiculous
1: but the problem is that it's not me who wants to do something with the data it's the user of the library so the part of the like I should use as little time as possible to get the data through the pipeline and this is where I feel the biggest challenge lies and where I'm a little bit afraid that by using an asynchronous runtime it's really hard to guarantee that, for example, each update is processed within X milliseconds. And that's uh, deterministic, so that you can make these, um, yeah, guarantees, essentially. I can say, hey, we've benchmarked this, and the 95 95 percentile finishes within three milliseconds, and then you have a few that go over this. My fear Mm -hmm. is that with async, and especially like the async runtime, which, i don't fully understand what it does behind the scenes that it might add some like random delays there because maybe a different thread is being executed right now and like this future has like yeah takes a little bit longer to resolve or like these kind of things Mm -hmm. so yeah i'll still proceed uh, with what i have and i still have to write like a few pieces to get to the point where it can actually write like a functional prototype but it's pretty close and that's
0: crazy though it's 60 updates per second
1: yeah and i think in the end it's not as bad as it sounds but it has some really interesting challenges because it's it's a fair amount of data actually so yeah i don't have like numbers for all the sims but i guess that each update is probably around like one to five megabytes Mm. and that time 60 is quite a lot of data that you have to process each second for sure and then yeah i'm curious to see how fast rust is with this because i so my other fear is that i'll either create inefficient code that just doesn't run fast or that i'll create a memory leak where i'm just copying data around all the time which a is neither efficient nor um yeah is it how do you call it like reliable because eventually my process will just die because it runs out of memory or something so i'm curious to see how that actually performs in a real life scenario with an app that or with like a sim that constantly sends data
0: but i mean you're saying what do you mean you you don't know if rust will be able to be fast enough like what can be faster than rust though
1: It's not my fear that it's not fast enough. I'm (laughs) curious to see how fast it'll actually be. Like, are we talking nanoseconds here, milliseconds? Uh, Kind of in what order of magnitude is like, where do I need to optimize? Like, is it something that is fast enough as it is with all my crappy code, or do I really need to dive deeper and try to figure out smarter solutions to the problems from the beginning? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like it all, like, most of the time it comes down to your implementation that's slow or. Or messed up, you know. Yeah. Rather than the actual language itself.
1: No, definitely, it's definitely in my code. It's not in, in Rust. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. It's a fun problem, and definitely one that I'm curious to see how it's how I can solve it. So far, I've set up like a, pretty much the the skeleton, and now the two things that are not there yet. As a, I need to be able to connect to a racing simulation and parse its data. And I'll probably start with one of the F1 games just because they have the huge benefit that they just publish data through UDP. And that's almost trivial to hook into from Rust. Especially with the async runtime, it actually has its own like UDP socket implementation. So it yeah. exposes the data um, in an asynchronous fashion and it like, really nicely integrates into what I'm doing. And then the other simulations that I want to hook into, they have way more complicated apis that are harder to pass so i'll probably leave them for later and then the other problem and i'm kind of going back and forth a little bit on this is the whole kind of main loop of the app and how to implement Mm -hmm. this because so the idea is you start the tool in the background as like a windows service or something so it automatically Mm -hmm. starts when you start uh, when you start your computer it runs in the background and then it waits until a simulation is started and then connects to it and sends back the data which means i need to detect when does a simulation start and then it needs to and i'm still not completely sure on this but essentially it doesn't make sense to listen to all the simulations at the same time the user will only be able to operate one anyway so it's fine if Mm -hmm. i for example listen on like four different sockets to see if there is a simulation running but then as soon as one starts shut down the other three yeah keep the one running and then as soon as the simulation stops i wanna start the others again to start listening and i'm not yet like i haven't found a really nice solution to implement this logic in this loop and in a way i could just hard code it for now and say let's just experiment and get some data but it's also one that keeps me up at night a little no it doesn't keep me up at night but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of the next thing that I want to tackle because it's um, it's kind of the f- final missing piece of like the core, core app. And I feel mm. if I can figure that out, then I'm pretty close to where I want to be. And then I have all the interfaces in place. I have this core logic in place. And then the only thing we're talking about are these concrete implementations for the different simulations, but all the rest is kind of there. And from there, it's figuring out how the API should look getting a build process set up and then wrapping it in some like electron app or so for distribution
0: i would love to see that thing that's gonna be fun
1: yeah i think so as well and yeah i so especially now playing again with with typescript and react a little bit i'm super uh yeah motivated to start building stuff with it So not just building like the, this backbone or like this back end component, but actually start building on top of this and seeing what else is possible there. Like the widgets. Yeah. For example, I'm kind of, yeah, it is, it is fun to actually build something and try to get it out of the door.
0: Have you been actually uh, doing work every day? like doing mostly
1: so i managed to do that until i think thursday and friday last week where i was traveling too much to find time to actually work on my own thing Mm -hmm. and this week has also been just super busy i think i yeah met friends and family for dinner every day of the week so i just didn't find the time to actually um yeah work by myself for an hour in the evening so this week has suffered a little bit i was able to do a little bit yesterday in the train which is always nice it's like three hours where i just sit and can focus on something yeah and now i have a free weekend girlfriend's the girlfriend's out of town so i can keep myself busy oh nice and let's see how far i can get but
0: so react you're learning at work then or like you're messing with it at work huh yeah that's nice yeah
1: it's like i have to also squeeze it in between all the other responsibilities that i have so i can't do it as much as i would want to but it's still nice to yeah to do and yeah my goal would be for this month essentially to get this yeah the service that i'm working on for the sim racing uh, stuff get that to the point where i can hook into kind of the first simulation all the the logic is essentially there to read the data, push it down the pipeline, expose it through a GraphQL interface. Mm -hmm. So that can start experimenting whether or not it's actually like working as it should and if it's something that is feasible. To then maybe in March have a more thorough look at the API and see like more yeah, focus a little bit more on like the data modeling side. And check out what is necessary there to get to the point where it would actually be possible to build like a small MVP client app with it To, And if it's just to kind of get an example going that could be used to share with the community to ask for feedback, but just have like a sample app and some example code that, yeah, I could publish on GitHub and start engaging potential users. That'd be great. Yeah, and I think if I would reach that, that would be or rev- would have been a very successful first quarter of the year.
0: I know that's a huge goal you've been having. So,
1: in the end, it's surprisingly little code that I've written so far. So, <laughs> are you scared? I'm a little bit afraid that I'm missing something in my head where I will run into, yeah, something that is way more work or way more complex than I think it will be. Mm-hmm. but it's also so far it's been really fun and i have to say rust is a really really nice language it's really enjoyable to write the libraries are sadly not really de- like where i would want them to be like almost every dependent i think literally every dependency i have in my project is zero point something as a version Oof, Yeah. and the web server that i'm using it just went from 0.1 to 0.2 Oh, huge jump there! And they actually changed their APIs. That's really, it's a little bit annoying. But in a way, these products, like sometimes these libraries, are super mature, and that they that they are on version like zero point eleven is none like not a problem at all because they've been essentially have had stable APIs for four years. And for what? Yeah, that's
0: my experience as well.
1: For whatever reason, they're waiting for some feature in the language before they feel confident they can publish like a. 1.0 so especially async await has for a lot of libraries been kind of this magic target that they've pursued where they knew that as soon as that comes they want to rewrite the whole library and then they need to change all the public APIs, so it wouldn't make sense to release a version before that hits and i'm not sure that's a good argument because some of these libraries have been waiting for like four years now and could have easily went through like version one and maybe version two and then rewrote that api with async for version three yeah. but yeah it's a it's an interesting ecosystem
0: no it's just growing and growing <clears throat> it's great i definitely plan to learn it next for sure after i uh work a little bit with elixir yeah.
1: it yeah they do have a little lo- like slightly different use cases i think right now no of um, course
0: of course which i think is the it's great you know? yeah it's great
1: what I'm still curious is kind of the whole business side of things when it comes to especially like the side project where I'm not sure if I'm overly optimistic when it comes to the feasibility of actually eventually maybe if I would ever want to build this into something sustainable.
0: Mhm. What do you like what what do you have in mind?
1: I'm still yeah, struggling estimating how big of a market there would be for this.
0: Okay. And like for yeah,
1: yeah it's it is a niche community and the more like i listen to a lot of different podcasts where other founders share their kind of startup story and especially a lot of them have kind of bootstrapped or kind of grown it slowly and um yeah how do you call it like with intent and every time they share their experience or kind of tell what worked for them or what didn't work or what lessons they take away from this i'm like oh yeah this doesn't qualify to me like oh i'm doing this like completely different than what they would suggest and oh they had a lot of success just by going into like a really big market and being able to differentiate themselves from competitors and oh they Mm. say oh you shouldn't start your own market oh yeah that's interesting Hmm, what am i doing oh yeah i'm starting my own market So, this is nagging um, at me a little bit.
0: By not starting your own market, does that mean, like, just something completely new that is not out there yet? No,
1: so, yeah, so, um, uh, I'm listening a lot to the Build Your SaaS podcast from the Transistor.fm guys. Mm -hmm. And Justin Jackson is really talking a lot about how they've been able to grow the business really fast because it's an established market in a way, or there has been momentum before they joined the market. Let's put it like this. So the market was already moving. They, it was a market that was already aligned with their interests and what they were thinking about anyway. So there was like a, also a lucky coincidence. But what he notices is, is it compared to other businesses that he tried to start is that since the market had already something happening, it was way easier for them to build a sustainable business in that market. And I if I look at sim racing in particular as like a small niche with people that do it as a hobby on the side, and there's like no real like B2B opportunities, for example, or um, it's questionable how much people would be willing to kind of pay for additional services in the space. It does make me wonder whether or not it's a good idea to invest there. Like, are you scared that the
0: people won't buy
1: I'm scared yeah, that there are not enough customers to build a sustainable business that uh, would also have some growth potential. Like mm. it might be not like it might be enough to build something that could sustain, for example, me as like a freelancer in quotation marks, just doing this for fun as like my one man gig. But I'm not sure if it would actually be enough momentum or market there business. to build an actual company, for example. Where I'm not working on it by myself. And there's actually potential to grow into uh, it, into something that is bigger than just one person.
0: Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, that kind of makes sense.
1: Because it would be nice to start something that could at least uh, sustain a small team, for example. I don't want to work alone all the time. So no, no, no. If this is something that yeah, would ever turn into a business, I do want it to turn into one that can... Uh, support more than one person, and in a way, there are like all these positive signs that there is something happening and that the market is growing. But I also just have no data on how realistic it is to build a business.
0: That's an interesting podcast, and that's an interesting thought. Like, don't. I mean, there is many people that have you know, like kind of started their own market.
1: Exactly. So it's it's really I'm really torn because on one hand i think what we discussed as well um i'm not sure if on air or only off air is that it is a market where a lot of things are happening and there's more money being put in esports is really growing and so far at least from my perspective nobody has really tried to do what i have in mind and there have been a few cases where i would say people have started to go a little bit into that direction so it's not that it's something that's completely new and nobody has ever tried but nobody has had like as much ambition to build something that's greater than what they've done in a way Mm -hmm. or what i'm going after and with how the market is growing how everything is changing it could very well be that what i have in mind is actually a really good and feasible idea and it's the right time to try this and other people have done their own things because yeah if i look back five years ago maybe even further the market was so much smaller than it is today but it could still be that this is just kind of hope and dreams and not really based on reality and in fact the market is still really small and I don't know I think
0: anyways you would just learn so much
1: so that's a little bit my goal right now is just enjoy the ride and it's really yeah. nice to work on Rust I see a lot of potential to work at least a little bit on React it's an interesting thing opportunity to learn about building communities and this is one of those areas where there might also be some interesting opportunity to learn about the business side of building communities and how you might be able to leverage this or going back to kind of all the recommendations of marketeers and people online it might be an opportunity just to kind of build a mailing list or get your name out a mm. little bit to kind of build a so, like a little bit of a foundation for the next thing like who knows what the actual outcome of this might be so learning wise i think it's a really interesting opportunity and i hope that as long as i can enjoy the ride it's worth doing but there's so many interesting things that i'm a little bit it's kind of this fear of missing out thing where by doing this i can't do other things and there are a lot of things that i think i would enjoy doing so this is where my my fear sets in a little bit
0: no i think it will be an amazing experience anyways and i think you'll get a lot of joy from it like imagine just having this thing ready and you being the first to try it and seeing that it actually works you know having developed every single part and seeing it like actually alive
1: yeah that would be nice um, for me, the, the moment that I'm really... Like, the the picture that I have in my mind when I think about this is engaging kind of the first users and being, like, in the forum threads and answering questions and having people go to, like, a GitHub page to download it or... Yeah. Um, yeah. Having, like, an actual, in quotation marks, product out there, that would feel really nice. Not just something that sure. requires, yeah, like, you to compile it on your machine, but... Or you can actually just download a package, install it, and that would be really cool. And hopefully, it's not that far into the future. End of Q two.
0: That's that's the goal right now. So
1: yeah, I think realistically Q one, if we can kind of, if I can prove that it's feasible and uh, make kind of the first steps uh, in the direction of kind of the API, that would be great. And then I think what will take some time and is way more work than anything else is figuring out the correct design for the API and figuring out how to deal with these memory mapped files in Windows because that sadly requires me to leave Rust in some parts. Or um, my hope is that there, so there are two options for this. One is to actually drop out of Rust and like integrate the C API into my program to read the data which would have the nice benefit that it's the official SDK and I can hopefully rely on the updates that are made to the SDK to read the data. So I don't need to stay up to date with what's happening. The downside of this is that I also lose a lot of features of Rust and... Enjoy. And (laughs) that one as well. (laughs) So the other option would be to try to go through like replicate what the c api is doing in rust which would still require me to use like a rust api around all the windows stuff but that might still be a little bit nicer from like a rust perspective i'll have to experiment with both uh both and i think that this is where a lot of the energy and time will go and then yeah the api design is something that's i'm still a little bit afraid of because ideally i want to build something that is and semi-accurate representation of reality instead of just doing what all the APIs are doing Um, and saying, hey, let's really model this. Like you have a car as an object and a car has an engine, a drivetrain, wheels, and the engine has whatever RPM and has fuel consumption or who knows how to model this. But I just, I don't want to go ahead and just do it Based on my gut feeling but it would be really nice to talk with somebody who actually knows stuff about cars to for example be able to build a model that is actually a representation of an actual car and not just oh i think this might go to like into this group and oh this is a value that i would guess has something to do with wheels i don't know like instead of guessing actually having an engineer talk through this and try to map it into something that's reasonable and makes sense so to get back to the question q1 prove that it's possible q2 hopefully figure out like an initial api design figure out how to connect more apis because like more to more racing simulations because that is the kind of where the bread and butter is and then towards like the second half of the year really try to um build out a community and see what's there that would be like to goal yeah. for q3 <clears throat> And then q4 is hopefully figuring out the next steps like does it make sense to spend more time on this and invest in this is there no traction and it's better to just maintain it but not really put more time in like we'll have to see
0: Exciting. yeah it is yeah it's the dream that would be pretty cool that would be pretty cool to start once once that forum starts going live that's definitely gonna be a huge one yeah
1: let's see how it goes anything else you want to talk about
0: no i think uh i think we can cut it here
1: yeah that sounds good let's leave some stuff uh, for next time let's do it cool <laughs> yeah. it was nice yeah. let's see if we can get back to the monthly cadence uh weekly sorry it. weekly yeah.
0: weekly what are you doing yeah uh, it is
1: actually pretty late in the evening here and my brain doesn't work as smoothly anymore <laughs> as i was hoping <laughs> Yeah, so. you've been working all day too yeah so, uh, so yeah.
0: All right. Cool man. man. That was great. Talk soon. Let's uh yeah. See you.